0: Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson.
1: I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic in McHenry, Illinois, located now at the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus. We're at a big intersection at 31 and Highway 120. Um, This week, we're a guest blogger on Trepanion.com. Trepanion is a big pet insurance company, and they had some questions about holistic medicine. How does this work? where did holistic medicine come from and um, what does it do for the human animal bond? What does it do for people and their pets together? Um, There's a lot of good answers to that. So we're going to go through that today. And three ways to ease coughing for pets. They're holistic. They're easy to do. It's something you can give a try uh, before you start uh, doing anything else. Or if your dog just has like a persistent cough, this is a good thing for you to try. We have, um, some questions coming up, uh, In ear infection that's just not clearing up, what do you do? You've been to the vet, you've treated it, now what? The ear infection's still there, it's persistent or sometimes they're persistent over time, I mean, years actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have, um, we're gonna answer that question coming up. Also questions about the best diet for seniors that have dental issues, they have tooth problems, they've got gum problems, so periodontal disease as well. What do you do for that? And we have some good answers for that. And this owner is actually open to using raw food Mm -hmm. and making it herself. So that's always a good option too. Um, Chlorella and cilantro. We have some questions about that and using it to chelate minerals or heavy metals out of your pet's system. How would you even know if your pet had a heavy metal issue?
2: It's it's difficult to diagnose because the blood testing uh, can be expensive. It can, and also it can take a while. To get results, okay. Um, sometimes the, the results aren't inclusive as well. Okay. Um, the it, The symptoms of having a disease like that is very subtle could it look like anything. So a lot right. of times, uh, by the time we recognize it, uh, it can be well into the disease process. So it's and it's usually ruled out by ruling out a lot of things that it isn't first, and moving into those more difficult uh, diagnoses.
1: Oh, Okay, okay. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And we actually did have um, a pet one time that had a heavy metal toxicity. This was also very difficult to diagnose, but they did figure it out by testing their water. Mm-hmm. So water, I would think, would be your number one issue with heavy metal toxicity, right?
2: First, that's a place to start, and it's easy to test the water, you know, to yeah. see if you've got minerals in there, and because
1: um, you can just take your water down and have it tested.
2: Right. right, you can. So and that's
1: that's a simple, um, simple one for starters. Then you've also got, I suppose, pet food. Can pet food become contaminated with heavy metals? I right. think it can. Yeah.
2: Yeah. For sure, it's um, because usually imported meat that's made its way into the dog food supply or, or pet food supply, um, unfortunately, can be laced with that. You won't see it in the United oh, States. Oh, really? For sure.
1: Oh, really? Okay. We're
2: very good about not getting that into our food supply, but if we're importing uh, meats, uh, that can get into theirs. Mm-hmm. So, and that can make its way into the pet food supply and, and uh, cause contamination.
1: Okay. And then also, I would assume, you know, I'm really careful when I go somewhere and think about buying like uh, ceramic dishes or even. Dishes that are supposed to be stainless steel because I'm not totally sure they're marked correctly. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that one is a, a little bit of a concern for me too. So, I'm assuming that you could pick up some heavy metals from cheaper dog dishes, I guess. I mean, I suppose it could happen in any dog dish though.
2: Yeah, especially as it gets older, you know, it's you're starting to you want to be sure that, that none of that coating can scrape away even with repeated washing oh
1: okay Uh,
2: plastic food bowls same way if it's starting to get roughened up and in there then unfortunately they can be ingesting some of that plastic and and, uh, so you know plastics are replaced more often than metals if you got stainless steel obviously that can last a very long time Uh, you should
0: how do you know
1: it's pure though i mean how do you know it's really stainless steel because i felt some stainless steel bowls that are like cheaper and they're like so lightweight. It's like, how can this even be stainless steel?
2: It's yeah, it, it's hard to know it for sure, 100%, because it can say stainless steel on there. Uh, where it's made can make a big difference mm-hmm. as well. So if it's made in the good old USA, you're gonna get steel. All
1: right, I see you voted. You got your voted. Steel I did, yes, there. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the good old USA, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. So um, do you want to do the chlorella and cilantro now Sure. We talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So um, one of our listeners has a question about the chlorella and cilantro. So if you don't like the process of elimination, cause you think there might be a heavy metal toxicity. So that includes the dishes, cleaning up your dog food supply. And then also um, the, what was I saying? Uh, oh yeah. The water. <laughs>
2: yeah, <first. laughs>
1: Whatever. I can count to two, but not to three. Um, so cleaning up the water, you can easily have that tested at your County or whoever does the well testing or the water testing. So that's easy enough. So if you do those three things, and you find something in your dog food and there are videos out there online, there are people who on YouTube, there's a guy who does do lead testing and heavy metal testing in pet foods I've seen him before I don't know his name currently but he did do one on a vegan dog food and found it to be full of lead Mm -hmm. so it is possible for these things to happen I mean who knows it could have been where the vegetables were grown for it could have been lead contaminated
2: yeah it can be absorbed through because anything that could be absorbed into plant or animal material and be ingested can become part of you and that's including animals Yeah, right. it can be stuck into the muscle or the organs uh, themselves
1: so if you suspect it start eliminating from the water to the food and then down to your dishes dishes would go first for me actually because mm-hmm. that would be a pretty pretty easy thing to do um, and try to buy american on those okay so if you do want to go ahead and do a chelation which is do you explain the chelation process
2: well, chelation is the, the the method by which uh, heavy metals can be, um, you know, basically attached to something and eliminated from the body. Okay. So if we're talking about chlorella or cilantro, especially cilantro, um, it can actually bind to lead and get it out of the system, really? so it's urinated out or defecated out. Um, how often to the detox? There's there's no tried and true method because it's never been into research necessarily to say okay this is how often you should use these products because the the FDA does not uh, approve of or support the products they may uh, so they don't do research on them and the reason they haven't done research basically is that you know there's a lot of expense to it so Mm -hmm. a lot of the holistic part of this is left to uh, the devices of each individual owner so um, and experience. So when you're using them, you want to consider, okay, I'm going to what would be an average time span to detox. And I would say four times a year after every season, uh, the body can be de- detoxed from that previous season. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount is a challenge, but the rule of thumb for dogs and cats is that a small dog or a cat is one fourth of a human dose. A medium-sized dog is half a human dose, large breed dog, three quarters, giant breed dog, a full human dose. Mm. And so that gets you close enough so you're not going to overdo it. Uh, how long to detox can be anywhere from five days to seven days. Um, you know, it, right. it takes a little bit of time. Make sure they're drinking plenty of fresh water.
1: So it only takes that long to detox all those nasty yeah. things out of your system. Yeah. And you just t- they just tinkle it out.
2: they get it out.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and if we had an easier way to test we could we could follow up with that and see the you know what were their primary levels
1: yeah what were their levels yeah.
2: afterward but
1: i think um, there's hair testing for that i've seen it on the internet mm-hmm. so there's some hair testing out there for that too yeah and
2: you can get levels uh, to kind of see where your baseline is all right um, and but going forward at a more practical test uh, that could be less expensive would be a uh, A very good way to be able to find out how much we're detoxing, but at the same time, once you've done it, that's enough. Mm -hmm. But if you do it consistently, you're going to help the pet to to not build up those toxins in the system.
1: Okay. All right. So moving on today, um, coughing, we have three ways to ease coughing. I've noticed um, some of our animals have been coughing lately, Mm -hmm. but they don't have like a serious long-term problem with it. It's just recently, maybe for the last month. And I mean, we have a lot of animals. Um, one in particular is a horse. He's just been coughing a little bit more lately. It's been pretty dry though, outside. And he has been drinking quite a bit of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but coughing, you know, in dogs and cats um, can come from many different ways. And there's there are many different coughs. So a lot of people will come in with what they think is a cough and it's more of it ends up being like a stenosis, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, explain that.
2: So there's the the different types of cough. One is a dry cough. Okay, what's that sound like? And it's just <laughs> just dry, not really producing anything. Okay. A wet cough is going to be more just bringing up phlegm, okay. and they sometimes will spit it up. Or and then there's kind of the what they call the hacking cough. Which would be more common in our brachycephalic or short-nosed dogs, where they're they're clearing their throat, but they're actually gagging at the same time. Oh
1: um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. We've so those are the three. We used basic have a dog that ones. did that too. Mm-hmm. Doppler, he did everything. <laughs> right, right. Right. Doffler was a very good learning experiment for everybody. But if your dog so has just this like little bit of cough that's you've noticed. It's here and there. Hmm. It's not like a, that persistent gagging cough and don't do that one. Cause we don't want to hear that. No, we don't want so, that. <laughs> <laughs> Um So what are some, you've got three good ways. What are some ways to do kind of ease this, maybe get through this kind of dry season with all these leaves on the ground and everything, and then move on into winter.
2: Yeah. Because, you know, before I explain that just real quick, is that we, you want to cough something up. Because it's expelling something that the body doesn't want. Okay. So we don't want to really suppress the cough. We just want to support the body during that. So first of all, honey. honey is, local honey is probably one of the best ways to, to help ease a cough.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it soothes the back of the throat. It soothes mucous membranes. It's it's um, anti-allergenic, so it's against allergies. Uh, and at the same time, it's uh, it tastes good to the pet, and they're most likely to take it. Uh, we do have one that even has CBD in it, which is also very good for an, as an anti-inflammatory.
1: It's actually, that honey is actually local to us because it's grown not very far from here. So yeah. we kind of know where that's produced. Mm-hmm. And then we have one that's grown right in town, um, a production facility that does honey. So we sell local honey and then the, the Tropic CBD, um, I think it's changing its name to Mount Ara. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's done it yet, but that honey is grown maybe just like 20 miles away. And they have an aviary, so that's pretty close too. But that has CBD in it; and it's a it's a big seller
2: here. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people use that. And um, the I like Pulsatilla. Pulsatilla is also very very good for upper respiratory. Uh, if we're going to go with prescription, there's a prescription from Ying Tong Herbal I like to use called Breathe Easier. Uh, it helps to soothe the uh, the kidney and lung qi, which is how the energy and air is flowing through the body, but also the kidneys responsible for water. So we're getting fluid out of the lungs, moving it a little bit better. Um, The other thing that it does is soothe what they call lung yin, which is the ability to cool the lung down or to warm it up uh, is based on yin and yang. So yang is warming, yin is uh, cooling. Cooling. But if it's yin deficient, you're going to get heat as well, and that dries off the. This is Chinese membranes.
1: medicine. This this right. isn't uh, vet school medicine. This is traditional Chinese veterinary right. medicine. So this is extra study, extra learning, and training, and figuring all this stuff out. And it really does work. Had a will, lot of success with it.
2: Yeah, because you work with the body's ability. Like I said, you it's when it, when you're coughing. Or if there's vomiting or diarrhea, you're expelling toxins. You're getting rid of something. We're just supporting the body to finish that. Um,
1: so the pulsatilla is a homeopathy product, right? Mm-hmm. A homeopathic product. And so they they come in those little blue things at the store, and then there's like little BBs in there. They're white.
2: Yeah, you can get them in the, in the, the BB form, or you can get it actually in a in a tincture. In a tincture as okay. well.
1: If the tincture um, has alcohol, that's not good, right? You want your tincture in water or something else, correct?
2: Well, you know? for sure. The, the glycerol that uh, in water, those are, are products that are a little bit easier um, for animals to digest. The alcohol, if it's a very small amount, like one or two drops, like for cats, pulsatilla works really good. If it has a little bit of alcohol in it, you can boil the alcohol off. If you want, but that small amount is not going to hurt. them. Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: And what, what does Pulsatela do anyway?
2: Well, it works. Uh, it, first of all, it's, it helps to boost the immune system mm-hmm. because basically immune support is what you want to do to clear the cough ultimately. So it's working uh, on the immune system.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: I was always told it's great for sinus infections for people, mm-hmm. stuff
2: like that. No, just so. gets things moving because the more it sits there, the more it heats up. And sometimes, if we have a stuffy nose, if it or or you know, a very sore throat, just getting things moving again, mm-hmm. getting the fluid out of there. It's like, you know, the traditional mistinex that helps to to get things moving and, and clears the, the clog in the sinuses and clog in the throat. Uh, gets everything moving, and so that's what pulsatella is essentially doing: just getting things okay. moving again.
1: All right. All right. So we have another question today um, from Lala. She wants to know the best diet for seniors with dental problems and periodontal problems. So she's open to making her diet, which is raw, which I think is really cool. Um, The questions are coming from our Facebook page, which is holistic vet advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. And then we'll take your questions. We'll answer them here on our podcast. So that's it. 10 AM on voice America. Mm -hmm. And then um, we will replay the podcast um, also posted into that group later in case you guys miss it. So um, the group is pretty fun. And we have a lot of people who have been in our holistic program here, so they can kind of help you as well. So it's not just us doing it. We have a lot of uh, client interaction, which is pretty good too. Okay. So as far as this diet goes for Lala's dog, she's asking, first of all, you know, should, it be meat. Is it raw? And then should I add vegetables to it? But how should I do the vegetables? Because, you know, obviously there are dental problems. This is a senior pet. Maybe they can't. Well, the digestion is one problem and then just chewing it up is another.
2: The, the processing and, and there's, there's two schools of thought. And so the more traditional thought is that if the dogs are eating dry kibble, it's going to be healthier for their teeth. In actuality, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. If you look at homeopathic side, is that processed dog foods have a, a immediately available energy to feed the body, but also feed the bacteria in the mouth. It's called biofilm. Okay. So especially if there's carbohydrates in the diet, um, in fruits in the diet, things like that, mm-hmm. can automatically feed the bacteria because it's available to them right now. It's just like like opening their mouth like a little birdie and putting that food in there, (laughs) right? so when you have too much energy available, you're going to feed redundant cells and that's important to not do that. Um, They used to say, well, wet food cakes on the teeth. It's not the wet food that does that. It's the ingredients in the wet food that feeds the bacteria that make the tartar. Um, It's in, in chewing uh, there was one particular study with a well-known company uh, that the argument was, uh, okay, they had healthy teeth every year, but the truth was they were doing dentals on these dogs every year. And they're uh, one of the companies that does have a dental-based diet. And, um, and so if they have a dental-based technology, why didn't they have to do dentals on their dogs every year?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And, and, the, and this was the, the test dogs. And they would, take wonderful care of them but the argument was okay well why are you actually it's so
1: great why do i have to right right
2: why do i have I'm to spend money on that
1: product and then i'm spending money on doing the dental anyway so right
2: so yeah. what's the truth and raw bed diets that energy and nutrition is not readily available for that bacteria that's why it's so much healthier for them uh to so like eat. in the
1: mouth then it doesn't create raw diets don't have as so much biofilm created in the mouth right Because that
2: energy has to be digested and it's not readily available to the bacteria. So the bacteria can die off. So there's a lot of raw fed dogs and the argument, raw food is wet, raw food, uh, you know, is is not crunchy. Okay. Um, And so, but yet the dogs that are on raw diets um, and least processed diets have better teeth because of that reason.
1: Okay. So the raw diet isn't for everybody.
2: So for everybody. Um,
1: what about the raw dehydrated, like we have raw dehydrated kibble here in our pet store. We have raw, like little ping pong ball things um, where <laughs> it's freeze dried, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it does, they look like ping pong balls and the dogs right. love it. Um, so is that gonna create biofilm?
2: Anything that's processed could for sure.
1: Okay.
2: And, um, But freeze drying, is almost, it's close enough to raw. It, and so it's not gonna be as supportive to those bacteria as say uh, a dog biscuit or a dog treat. Now dog biscuits, um, you know, they have a lot of really widely available nutrition in there but it comes in too quickly. If we wanna treat the dogs, we use dehydrated meat. Okay. is often better for them because you're not contributing to the, uh, the problem with dental disease. But at the same time, they're getting something nutritious and you're getting a treat. What about you know? the vegetables? The vegetables, steamed vegetables are more readily available. If you give raw vegetables to dogs and cats, they either won't eat them or to, it, it can be upsetting to their stomach. Now, there was a study that showed and a lot of dentists, human dentists say that if, you, if humans eat raw vegetables at the end of the meal, can help to wash away a lot of bacteria and, and um, help with saliva and, and, and digestion and everything like that and help reduce gum disease because it massages the gums. Uh, you can technically do that with dogs as well. Cats aren't as keen on that as, as dogs are, but it's better to steam the vegetables. Now, so do you have to give it at the end of the meal? No, because they're, okay. they're usually going to eat one meal or two meals and they they're not they're going to be full and not necessarily eat the vegetable. I feel like the
1: raw diet would go through your pet really fast. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I feel like that's so natural. Your pet would just, your metabolism would go crazy and they Mm -hmm. would just burn it off really fast. Should you feed them more than once a day if it's raw?
2: Well, you you can go to once a day feeding. Uh, When you do feed raw food, it is best to fast them one meal or two meals a week. So usually fasting on Sunday, you know, to let the body clean out okay um the question about is it do they digest it faster they actually digest it slower it takes more energy to get energy out so the body's more efficient it works harder it uses up the energy in between the meals more efficiently so and obviously a lot less waste at the end um the uh Grain based dog foods move through the system very rapidly because there's really nothing that's slowing that digestion down at all. The preservatives in it are, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but uh, raw food has no preservatives, uh, freeze dried has no preservatives. Um, but at the same time, most of the kibble has to have some level of preservatives. Um, it does slow digestion down, which when you slow the digestive tract down, it can allow those secondary bacteria to. In the microbiome to take over, and that can cause digestive problems. Uh, But it could also change the acidity in the body and lead to more gum disease as well.
1: Okay, so I hope that answers your question. It's a long answer, lala. (laughs) Yeah, it's a long
2: answer for sure.
1: Thank you for asking that. That's again on the holistic vet advice page with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. That's on Facebook, and it's a group actually. So we hope that you can uh, put in a request and join us there. Okay, so um, another quick question uh, we have for about luxating patella is from Laura. Laura wants to know, in the luxating patella process, is it painful if you don't have a luxating patella fixed?
2: Yes and no. Uh, In the early stages, there's relatively little pain associated with the patella or kneecap slipping out of its joint.
1: For anybody who doesn't know what this is, grab Chorky. She's right there. This is our puppy, Chork. And she has two Luxane patellas. She, Chorky was a rescue dog. And she got to us when she was a, oops, you okay? a little bit older. Now, you can see like her little legs are kind of frog-looking. Mm-hmm. And so when she runs, it kind of looks like a frog. And right there.
2: Right there is where her kneecap is. Are you but, okay? But when she Any bends answer? her knee... Don't you? Uh, her kneecap tends to slip inward. That's called a medial patellar luxation. If it slips out, it's called a lateral patellar luxation. Uh, Most dogs have a medial, which it slips in, patellar luxation. Um, In the beginning stage, on a stage one, uh, it just slips out. It feels a little uncomfortable. They pop it back in. But over time, as that's been rubbing against the inner part of the cartilage, Mm -hmm. it can start to wear away the cartilage and then feel like a – like a a tooth root, it can be uncomfortable at certain times. Um, That's when usually surgery is necessary because they're going to be uh, more skipping or more holding the Mm -hmm. leg up because it's uncomfortable. That's what Laura said her
1: dog was doing. She said she would skip and kind of put it back in. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what Laura's dog is doing right now.
2: But by skipping, they're straightening the leg out. So then it pops back in. So I would
1: say Chorky's 12, Mm -hmm. 12, she's probably 12 years old at this point it's hard to tell because we didn't you know she was came here in horrible condition yeah she did um so she's 12 she's been walking on these terrible legs for a really long time we chose not to fix them out of really compassion for her because she's gone through so much in her life at that point but now she does need some gallopant from time to time Mm. to kind of keep herself going and you can kind of tell on those days when she's um, painful. I mean, you have to look for her signs of pain because she has kind of that pinched expression. Mm -hmm. Her eyes are kind of downcast and she's not, you know, usually running around like crazy. She really does have, um, some painful moments. So in those days she gets gallocrine.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's what you should do. And then, but also considering surgery is it's not an easy surgery, uh, because, First of all, we have to groove out the, the, the patellar groove. So you have to take bone away mm-hmm. uh, from the femur itself um, to, to basically groove out the patellar groove so it sits better. Um, the patellar ligament that attaches to the tibia or shin bone uh, actually has to be almost removed. And, and it, a lot of the ligament is, is removed and pulled over. Cool. So it lines up again, uh, extremely uncomfortable. You know, it it yeah. can be an uncomfortable situation. So the choice between surgery and, and not is really the patient. And, and if we're going to put them through a lot of pain, uh, they have to be in already in a lot of pain in order to relieve yeah. that because they're going to yeah. be painful for a couple of weeks and get better. But if they're not painful, if they're getting along fine, then then there's no reason to really move into surgery.
1: All right. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining us this half hour. We have more coming up about our blog on True Canyon. We've guest blogged for them and the benefits of natural medicine for your pet. We have a couple of more questions and also some info about chocolate ingestion coming up here on Voice America World Talk Radio. We'll see you in just a few minutes.
2: tune in every week for making action happen hosted by Sarah Blackhurst the program takes you inside action 22 a Colorado-based community Outreach
0: organization established in 1999 the show focuses on public policies both politically driven or not which have ongoing and immediate impact on the
1: Colorado
2: community and the world it doesn't matter where you are you can make action happen listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific time 3 pm Eastern time and one pm mountain time on Voice America Variety
0: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon Alexa and Google Home Through streams with Apple Podcasts tune in and iHeartRadio listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast
1: Hey Alexa Play Finding Your Frequency
0: Podcasts. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice
1: America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. Uh, we have our Facebook group going, Holistic Fed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristin Carlson. Um, Dr. Carlson uh, practices in Northern Illinois kind of the Chicago's northwest suburbs kind of deal in McHenry we're at the corner of 31 and 120 if you're ever in the area and you want to see our healthy pet lifestyle campus our indoor dog park is now open and um, it's a good place to be although the weather's so nice this week nobody's going to need it Uh, but when the weather's bad I think uh, we'll have a lot of members and dog training and stuff like that coming up we were just talking about training um, having the trainer work with one of our dogs because his name's Benjo and we got Benjo from our friend Deepa and she uh, couldn't keep him anymore. So Deepa lives um, also in the Northwest suburbs. So she wanted a farm home for him. And so he got it and he came, he's a golden retriever. He's very cute. He just celebrated his fourth birthday. But by this time our other golden retriever was not like jumping on people and acting. He's crazy. He sees a new dog. He starts smiling. He gets down ready to play. Yeah, he He's, loves it. Yeah. He, he absolutely loves it. And he loves people just a little too much right now. So we're hoping our new dog trainer that's going to be um, offering some dog training in our indoor dog park is going to help him out a little bit. But I wanted to tell you about this really cute thing he does. And all of the animals that are, have been in residence here long enough, have all learned different ways of coping when people express grief um, at like the time of euthanasia. Well, for Benjo, his way of coping is to take whatever ball he can find and he finds the animal that's passed away and he goes and gives them his ball Mm -hmm. and he will always go and offer them something as they have passed away. So it's usually after their owners left, obviously and it's just like the sweetest thing yeah. I've ever seen. I mean,
2: very gentle little guy,
1: sweet, yeah. sweet dog. So it's in there. He's just got to calm down a little bit. Yeah, he
2: just <laughs> has to know what to do with it because he gets the energy out. You know, he's got plenty of room to run around, but
1: mm-hmm. it,
2: he's just got a lot stored up.
1: I just <laughs> like to know how other people's hospital cats or hospital dogs or whatever end up um, dealing with all these different emotions. Um, We have had several hospital cats. One uh, was named Twitch, he was this enormous at one point 28 pound, big guy, cat. And he loved like being roughed up by guys who would come in and stuff, he just loved it. Mm. But when people would come in and he could sense that owner was really worried or, you know the pet maybe wasn't doing okay and he would just go and sit by them. And Doppler would do that too. He would go and just sit next to the person uh, trying to offer his support and comfort. And then uh, our cat Choo Choo, it didn't take him long. Like at first he was like, I've been an outdoor cat, you know, what's going on here. It's like, we have to move in for the winter to the clinic. And he actually, you know, he didn't like it at first. And then it just took him maybe a month to catch on. And pretty soon he's up there getting petted having a great time, but then he started also to go and comfort anybody who was having um, blood drawn, especially he was very good at that. Um, If it was anything painful or the animal was scared, that's what he tapped into. And he would go and just kind of lay by them or sit with them and make sure they were okay. So the interesting things about um, animals that you kind of don't notice unless you're really with them all the time and they're in different situations, so a little bit different. It's
2: yeah, a job. I just, I just read something, and not just about uh, dogs and cats, but it was um, it, a, a cow is giving birth out in the pasture, and um, unfortunately, uh, the calf passed oh, yeah. away. Um, and the yeah. other cows actually were supportive. They came over. Um,
1: they loaded themselves in the, when they brought the mother cow back and her baby, she didn't have her baby with her because it died. Then they all loaded themselves onto the trailer to encourage her and help her and they were hugging her with their head over her yeah. stuff that had never happened the owner had never seen anything like that before so they do express different emotions to each other and help and support each other in so yeah. many different ways
2: yeah often we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the world and did not realize you don't notice
1: or yeah you know i think sometimes you don't have the opportunity to notice because yeah. your cat's just one cat in a household or something and yeah you know, maybe you just don't have the opportunity to notice like our cats, but I I would consider our cats and dogs to be almost like working when they're here. Very
2: therapeutic for Mm -hmm.
1: sure. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Very good helpers. They are. So we guest blogged for Trupanion. Um, I helped Dr. Carlson and he helped me and we kind of collaborated with Trupanion on this new blog post that we did. It's about holistic medicine. Some of the benefits of natural medicine for your pets and also, we talked a lot about this one dog that we had in here. And some of you might have seen this. Um, it's on YouTube. And the dog is named Bella. Mm-hmm. Bella came here 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. her owner was like, Look, you know, she's completely paralyzed. She was a puppy. I mean, barely out of puppyhood. Yeah, Be- just a year. Right? Maybe she was a year yeah. old.
2: Maybe year.
1: 10 months, year old, something yeah. like that. And she was completely paralyzed and he you know they're retired they're like okay <laughs> you know? I mean what are we really going to do because the surgery was I think at that time maybe 5,000 7, I think it's gone up since then yeah. to have it what is that surgery a spinal decompression or something
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's called a hemilaminectomy, and the uh, half of the vertebrae is removed to relieve pressure on the spine
1: All right. However, we had a very good success story, and it was really like one of our first big ones up here in Illinois. um, And in your holistic career, really, Mm -hmm. and he was like, "Look, I have a trip planned with my whole entire family. I'm going to go on it. You have a week to solve this problem, if you can. If not, you know, she'll have to be euthanized because beyond that, you know, for some people, it is, you know, an unfortunate choice that you do have to make. And and you know, we did it. So you started working with her morning, noon, and night. It was pretty intense. She had um, a little, we have a little doggy wheelchair here. If you ever need one and you need to check one out, we have a couple sizes. um, If you're uh, obviously close by. Um, So we finally, after a couple of days, few days, she was in a wheelchair, you saw her tail begin to move. Mm -hmm. We did some water therapy. Just describe everything else that you did with her.
2: Yeah, it it was amazing because um, I use a product called Double P2. Uh, it's a great Chinese herb, especially for the back and, and compression problems, uh, along with acupuncture and, the, and like I Kristen said, the water. Maybe,
1: did she have a steroid shot, I believe, as well?
2: We did a little bit of steroid in the beginning just to reduce some inflammation and, and to help with pain because it, it, it feels like like your arm going to sleep there's enough pressure there, especially when it's waking up again,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, when you've realized, okay, I've laid on my arm too long and that circulation's coming back and it feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's weird. When the dogs feel that there's there's a potential for them to start biting at their appendages and feeling uncomfortable. So a little bit of steroid helps to relieve that uh, inflammation, but overall uh, just steady work every day, um, using a little, even a little bit of electroacupuncture mm-hmm. in which we hook up the electrodes to the needles and give some stimulation to the to the legs. Uh, just to remind the body, okay, it's okay. Try to find another channel to get back there.
1: Okay.
2: Um, it wasn't to eliminate surgery as much as the owners said surgery was not for me. Mm-hmm. It was an option. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. But what we realized through that opportunity is that Bella could actually recover and to maintain a normal life. So I just saw her last, it was a couple months ago, yeah. really, um, just for routine wellness, and she's been totally fine. Mm-hmm. And that was... Um,
1: she comes in too. I mean, once in a while, she'll come in for a tune-up, but not very often. Yeah. So that's pretty good. For, no, she's a senior. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a senior <laughs> we pet. We cleaned
2: her teeth, I guess, is what we did together. Uh once
1: Was it, in. did she fall off something or go down the stairs?
2: Um, she actually fell off the bed.
1: Okay. And dachshunds are very prone to having these kinds of issues. So their back's really long.
2: Yeah. And they're companion animals, obviously. So, and they're a little bit more companion than other dogs. They like to be with their owners. They like and to cuddle with they them. You know, into, they're into the bed and, things, and sometimes get wrapped up in the, in the blankets and suddenly they're, they take a tumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was um, um, amazingly, you would you do a pinch test and it's just to see if, do you have any deep pain at all? And she had nothing. I mean, I was really pinching to try to get some response and nothing.
1: I remember also filling up the big um, stainless steel tank that we have here and letting her just swim around in it just, while we had to kind of hold her up and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then also having some of our technicians doing some physical therapy with her too.
2: Just to keep the, the muscles, that muscle memory there. Okay. You remember how to walk. So don't, you know, and all of a sudden in the, then in the wheelchair, we started to see her as she was walking that. We started to see the back legs lining up with the rhythm mm-hmm. and all of a sudden she was, she was, she was, she was walking. Yeah.
1: He cried when yeah. she came back. Yeah. yeah. That was really a, a very really touching story moment
2: for sure. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, And he loves family. that dog. Yeah. He loves her.
1: So it's great. So that was kind of the basis of our story for the true Canyon blog. And we're putting that on our Facebook page and then on our group page, holistic vet advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson on Facebook. So, um, you know, holistic medicine came about in a lot of different ways, but it was that was the medicine. That was it. That's all you had. That was nature's medicine, right?
2: Right. And you use the body's ability, okay, we can't mechanically make you better. That's not a choice, but we have to ask the body, okay, can you heal without it? You know, is there another option? And oftentimes there is. The body's trying to heal itself in some way; it just doesn't know how it, how to yeah. do it at that point. Yeah. And so we're basically steering the body into to recovery.
1: But you know, before it was it was the way it was. Nature yeah. finding things in nature to heal yourself was was how life was until things became more clinical in the nineteenth century. Right? Yeah. So clinical contemporary medicine, but even that draws on. Some um, natural medicine as well. So um, I think one of the interesting things that came out of Bella's story, and just a lot of the stories that I've seen, is how much holistic medicine really enhances the human-animal bond. I feel like people are more involved with their pet's health when they follow more of a holistic approach. Um, I think they are, you know, paying more attention. I think they're just more connected to their animals sometimes, and. You know, it doesn't mean they love them any more or any less. But I do think holistic medicine provides an enhancement of the
2: human-animal bond. It does, because you're 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 sharing a common relationship with nature. And that's the cool thing when we're bonding with them is that we're actually sharing that part of nature that they understand and we understand. So what better way to bond with them for sure? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Know? Yeah, it's very interesting. So anyway, um, if you want to search for that, it's at trupanion.com. It's on their blog today. Um, And we'll also be posting it around as well for all of you guys to see. So very fun to be able to do this guest blog with Trupanion. Okay, so uh, changing gears a little bit. I know a lot of people probably have a lot of candy laying around their house right now because of Halloween. I just... Wanted to kind of do a little comparison here. Okay. So on our page, we did chocolate and doggy danger. It's this really cute infographic and it comes from ASPCA Animal Control Center. Okay. So it talks about how much like milk chocolate your dog would need. So we had to go out and buy some chocolate, darn it all. Mm -hmm. And we have that here. (laughs) And we're talking a Yorkshire Terrier. The danger zone is two and a half ounces of milk chocolate. So This is um, a Hershey bar, the best ever. And this is 1.55 ounces. So if they ate this, um, they would be well on their way to having a chocolate toxicity problem. And you could start seeing symptoms with even a smaller dose than toxicity, correct?
2: Right. It's the theobromine that's in the chocolate. Um, The good news, milk chocolate, it takes a lot more milk chocolate than it does dark chocolate. Dark chocolate, it would probably be you know, say a fourth of that candy bar.
1: Oh, really? For, okay. for dark
2: chocolate, for milk chocolate. You got, it. I
1: don't think I know any woman at this point in my life who does not have their own dark chocolate stash upstairs yeah. in their closet. They've hidden from everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. else. <laughs> everybody has one chocolate chips. I don't care whatever it is. Um, So you better have hid that really far up high in the cabinet or up high in your closet in a box where nobody else can find it. You probably did that already, but um, if you were smart about it. (laughs) So uh, anyway, so that's um, a size that could produce some symptoms. 75 uh, grams, this is definitely going to put your Yorkshire Terrier into an ER. If you pair these together, this is also going to not work too well for a pug. So a king size and a regular uh, would not be a good idea. Now you've got the, this is 200 grams of milk chocolate for a golden retriever. They'd have to eat both of these for there to be like an actual real toxicity. That doesn't mean that their heart rate won't go up. It doesn't mean they won't throw this up all over your carpet. It just means that this is when you're in a very,
2: very serious stage. You're going to start to see more than just average symptoms. You know, most of the time, in small amount of chocolate, you're not going to see anything at all. But at this level, when you're getting into toxicity, you're going to see muscle twitching. You could see seizures. You could see a coma mm-hmm. or just loss of consciousness, okay. um, certainly loss of bowel function. So diarrhea and nausea. Um, and it's, I've seen a few cases of that. Um, there was one particular golden retriever years ago uh, during the holiday season, they ate about five bags of milk chocolate, mm-hmm. chocolate chips.
1: Right, and if yeah, you have a bunch of trick-or-treat candy dope. out, and it's, a you know, one of those huge bags, it really doesn't take you that long to get to this point. Huh. So, while well, this is kind of heavy, this is uh, seven ounces and seven ounces, so just shy of a pound of chocolate. You know how much those big bags weigh, so it's very possible if you've left the halloween candy out or within easy access of any of your animals this could happen to you and this is just the milk chocolate so okay you've got two huge giant milk chocolate bars from hershey's so if this were dark chocolate how much of this would it take
2: about half so it's always about half of
1: half of one bar or even less like half of one bar would be enough to do it and you know, they did sell dark chocolate Halloween candy. Anyway, something to think about holidays are coming up. You're going to have um, Thanksgiving coming up pretty soon as well. So, uh, lots of things, uh, definitely up for discussion as far as the candy, put your candy away, hide yeah. it, hide it up high. Um, it's always the best advice. And if you can find something that they can't get into, like if you have a counter climber, which is half of our animals, um, they can pretty much get into anything. And um, if it has like a good tight lid and it's, you know, say like one of those really hard plastic containers that they can't break into glass jars or Mm. anything like that, um, always a good idea. So that's our suggestion on the candy, be careful with it. Okay. We have another question from our holistic vet advice page on our group on Facebook. And this is from Kathleen. She wants to know if there's anything she can use for her dogs for dry eyes. Her, she said her Shih Tzu has dry eyes. It's a typical breed tendency. Mm-hmm. And my older boy has dry eyes as well. We have Miss Dry Eye Queen down here. Here, come here.
2: We do. And, and Charky's not a brachiocephalic, but these two breeds are considered brachiocephalic, in which they're. And, She's been uh,
1: snoring. I'm sorry, I woke you up. You, you could know. say that Charky oh, okay. has
2: a short nose in comparison here. to the rest of her Should body. Your
1: face.
2: But um, but the shorter the nose the more the jaw rotates it almost curls it instead does. of being straight. She
1: has a strong little jawline. Yeah. And
2: okay. um, and it seems to be more common in the terriers to have that. Mm-hmm. But also the, the bully breeds I call them the the uh, short nose breeds uh, what happens is that if you don't get good drainage of the sinus then you don't get good tear drainage. So here, okay. teeth and jawline, um, tonsils, and the ears all drained to the lymph nodes just under the ears. Yeah. Okay. If that, the that tear dry is
1: actually bothering her yeah. right now, she's kind of squinting a little bit.
2: And if that doesn't get moving, it creates inflammation and then can damage the meibomian glands, which are the tear ducts or tear glands um, in the eyes. And so um, the hallmark of treatment is to try to keep moisture. But also to create tears if they're getting secondary infections. So for Turkey, obviously, we did something natural, colloidal silver. Mm-hmm. Works really good.
1: Turkey was actually at the beginning stage of panis, so she needed to. We really were thinking about removing one of her eyes, mm-hmm. but with the colloidal silver, her eye actually looks beautiful now. So mm-hmm. it's it was it always had this hard shell of green gunk on it, and it was mm-hmm. hard, and it hurt. Um, but now the colloidal silver, just a couple drops in her eye every day, both eyes now, and then the rest of the dropper in her mouth has really helped her. She's got some work left to do, so we decided. I think you said we're going to try a raw diet now with her.
2: Yeah, because she's yeah. Uh, we're controlling it, but the source of the problem is still present. So we're going to move into more of a raw fed diet and see if we can uh, uh, reduce that even more. But. Uh, for Kathleen's dogs here, um, first of all, regular uh, saline solution once a day, to keep the eye moist. We have to go further than that. Obviously, colloidal silver. If we have to go further than that, there are products like Optimune that can be used to treat dry eye, especially if we need an antibacterial effect okay. to it as well. So there's a number of products that can be used, but- um, We did
1: use Optimune for a long time with Chorky. Mm-hmm. It just sort of got to a point where she didn't want it anymore. And it just kind of got to a point, it was kind of the end of the road yeah. on the Optimum for, I don't know, it just kind of stopped working.
2: And vitamin A is a good vitamin, so adding extra dog vitamins with vitamin A in it can be very good for eyes and inflammation, vitamin C as well.
1: Okay, so just an all purpose vitamin? All purpose vitamins. regular good old vitamin. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give you a little extra boost there.
2: Yeah, I like BM Supreme, it's a very good one.
1: Yeah, that's my Bloom products. We're a big, super fan of Bloom products. I actually saw, <laughs> I Googled, I was trying to find that article from Shoe Google <laughs> Googled it and said we were Bloom products super fans. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like, what True. is this? <laughs> the yeah. things you learn about yourself on the internet. I love that product. I like them. They're from a small town in Ohio and they've been making the Bloom products for, I think since 1939's Roniker, J.D. Roniker Laboratories. It's great, though. Yeah. I mean, you just can't beat that product. It makes your cat's hair beautiful. It makes your dog's hair soft and shiny. It's yeah. great.
2: And they all like it. It seems like they haven't had well, uh, really any. It's made with real cheddar cheese. Yeah. Anybody's
1: going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. And they also have um, liver as well. If you're mm. getting glucose um, plus from them, the liver is, uh, your your going to eat it every time. Definitely, for sure. They
2: really like it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Additionally, uh, coming up or looking at Thanksgiving coming up, Um, one time we let Doppler out and he came back running. Okay, this 10-pound dog comes running back with this gigantic turkey carcass the day after Christmas or the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, it was like easily two times bigger than the dog. (laughs) Just the carcass, no meat on it, but he really found himself a real prize there. So some neighbor, I guess, left it out. Um, I have a question to ask about the bones, though. If you say, no, that nobody in your house is going to eat the drumsticks, can you take that off of the turkey and then just, like, give it to the dogs raw? Because yeah. they have those, like, little splintery-looking knife-like weird, I don't know, um, bones in the cartilage.
2: Yeah. The raw bones do not create the jagged edge that a cooked bone does. So cooked bone, you're basically cooking all the life out of it uh, if you will, or all the energy. So you're left with just the calcified skeleton of bone. Yeah. When dogs eat that, it creates the sharp edges that, and, and which can poke into the mucous membranes. The raw food doesn't, the raw bone doesn't do that. Okay. You do have to be somewhat careful. And, and, and there's always instances where someone could say, yeah, but I was feeding my dog a raw bone and it, and it did sever the, the mucous membrane, but extremely rare for that to occur, um, it will digest just fine, All right. but the calcified bone does not, it tends to become chalk and the dogs get severely constipated.
1: Okay. Um, So if you were looking to make the most out of your Thanksgiving turkey and you know, the dog's going to end up with some of it anyway, you could just cut off the pieces, like the exterior pieces, maybe that you mm -hmm. knew, like, I don't want the legs and I don't want the wings.
2: Yeah. Just cut it off before you cook it.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Sounds Although my father, good.
2: years ago, uh, every Sunday, he cooked chicken wings.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay,
2: And then we had our dog, Duke. And fortunately, he gave him that big plate full of bones. And he would <laughs> eat the whole thing. And, uh, and he was fine. You never had a problem. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Depends on the dog. Today's dogs, I don't know. That could have been three hundred years ago, Jeff. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget our group on Facebook, Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye
0: bye. Thank you for listening this week to awesome woo woo holistic vet advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.